Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast, brought to you by Christian Hockey. I am Ryan Kennedy. We are live streaming here, so please hit me up with your questions about all things draft and prospect. To begin with, to kick things off, uh, I'm going to do three players that I am very intrigued by for the 2020 NHL Draft right now, starting with Maxim Groshev, uh, the right winger from Neftekimik in the KHL. I had a chance to see him live last week at the CHL Russia Series in Kitchener. And what I like about Groshev is that he's got a high motor and he's tough on the forecheck. He's just kind of nasty to play against, and I really appreciate that. Um, He threw a big hit on Ryan Merkley, and he was just very active all night. Now, back in the KHL, because he is a youngster, he's only playing about eight and a half minutes per game. That's expected for a teenager. He's under contract for one more season after this, so he would most likely be back with Neftekimik next year. But I think he's a pretty intriguing player, and I'm interested to see how well he does. I'm, I don't think he's going to make Russia's World Junior team because they tend to go older with their forwards, but I think Groshev has quite a bright future, and he could even be on the team next year. Second off, I'm going to go with Dawson Mercer from Drummondville in the Quebec League. Now, this is a player who also had a very good CHL Russia series for Team QMJHL. Mercer, he's a late birthday, so he's you know a, a bit older for the 2020 draft, but he's got 31 points in 19 games for the Voltageurs. Good two-way player, um, you know, physical, has really kind of put himself on the map this season. And it's always nice when guys um, kind of not come out of nowhere because he was pretty good last year for Drummondville as well, but to see somebody jump up in the rankings and, and, and establish themselves... I always think that's a good sign early on in the season because you figure he's only going to get better as time goes on. Third player I'll mention, Carter Savoy, uh, left winger in the Alberta Junior A-League with the Sherwood Park Crusaders. This is the older brother of Matt Savoy, uh, who I'm sure you've heard us talk about and write about on the website a couple of times, a phenom out west. But got to say, Carter is really making some moves with the Crusaders, who are one of the best teams in that league. 45 points in 23 games. So he's basically getting two points a game for Sherwood Park. Uh, I've seen him play a couple of times already. Uh, He's a quick guy, lots of skill. He's committed to the University of Denver, which is a great NCAA program. So he's going to get a very nice college experience playing against top competition in that NCHC conference. And he's doing everything you could ask for right now. So good on Carter Savoy for coming out of the gate strong. Now we're going to get to your questions on prospects and the drafts, and you can still send them in while we are podcasting right now, so you're not too late. I'm going to start off with a question from Ben Thielman41 on Twitter. 
And he asks, is Calgary Flames prospect Dmitry Zavgorodny just benefiting from a good line, or does he have a legit shot at making it? So for context here, Zavgorodny plays in the Quebec League with Ramuski. Right now he is on that devastating line with Cedric Paré and Alexi Lafreniere, who is most likely going to be the first overall pick in the 2020 draft. So this is a very good question. For me, I'm going to answer it kind of two ways. Because Zavgarodny has played with Lafreniere in the past and obviously had success. He was also dynamite for Russia against Team QMJHL in the CHL Russia series uh, when he had Alexander Kavanov, the Minnesota Wild prospect, as his center. So we are seeing a pattern where Zavgarodny puts up points with very good players on his line. But I still think he's a very good prospect. And part of the reason is he can play with elite players. That's something not everybody can do. He can really compliment these guys and get results. And you need those kind of guys in your lineup. Secondly, I like the fact that he's a smart kid. He's, he's not very big, but he's got a great hockey mind. He doesn't cheat defensively. He's a good two-way player. And he gets results. So for me, I think Zavgarodny could be the type of guy that plays with an elite center or another elite winger and and really do some nice things out there. So I'm a believer. I've always been a Zavgarodny fan, and I mean, he's just been excellent this season. So no reason to doubt him going forward. So thanks for that question, Ben. Uh, Move on to another question. This one from Jonathan Dufour. What about Jack Dugan? And his season so far with NCAA Province College, awesome, or is it just because he's 21? So Jack Dugan is a very fascinating prospect, drafted by the Vegas Golden Knights. I've been watching him for a couple of years now, and here's some context on Jack Dugan. He was a raw, late bloomer kind of prospect. He was actually passed over in the draft once before the Golden Knights snapped him up. He played at Northwood, a prep school that was coached by Chad Cassidy, who uh, used to be with the NTDP, also was the coach of the Rochester Americans in the AHL. So he had very good coaching in, in Northwood, and Cassidy really worked on him because obviously Dugan has great size, and he skates really well, and there's a lot of skill there. But he had to put it all together, needed a little more time before he went to the next level. That next level turned out to be USHL Chicago, and he blew the hinges off the USHL. Then next last year, he heads to the NCAA with Providence College and was nearly a point-per-gamer as a freshman. So for me, I, I'm not surprised that as a sophomore so far this year, Jack Dugan is piling up points because he's just been on that trajectory. And I, I don't necessarily think it's because he's older. It certainly doesn't hurt him. But he's a big body, and he's really been putting together his game the past couple of years. Maybe he started a bit late on that track, but now he's surpassed a lot of his peers. So I think that's a very positive step for Dugan. And for me, it'll be interesting to see how much longer he stays in college. I mean, the Golden Knights are not suffering for talent. They have a lot of very good forwards. But I could very well see Dugan leaving the Friars after this season, depending on how well they do. Because for me, I'm not sure how much more he has to prove in terms of you know, putting up points at the NCAA level. So uh, I'm a believer in Jack Dugan. Next, going to go to Mitchell Hines for a question. Uh, how long until Joe Valeno becomes a full-time NHLer in Detroit? So Joe Valeno, first 
player ever to get exceptional status in the Quebec League. Had a bit of a roller coaster junior career, first with the St. John Sea Dogs and then with the Drummondville Voltageurs. But now he is in the AHL with the Grand Rapids Griffins as a 19 year old, which is obviously very rare for a Canadian born player. Uh, but because he already served all his time in junior, that was, allowed him to go a year early. He has a couple of points so far through about a quarter of the season. I'm going to say two years at least before Joe Valeno is a full-time NHLer with the Red Wings. And there's a couple of factors that go into that. Number one being Steve Eiserman as the GM of the Detroit Red Wings. You know, he was an acolyte of Ken Holland's uh, before he went to Tampa Bay. Uh, now, of course, Eiserman is back with Detroit running the show. He knows that overripe prospects are better than underripe prospects. So there's going to be no rushing of Joe Valeno. I really like where Valeno's game was this summer at the World Junior Summer Showcase. I thought that the line he had with Kirby Doc and Alexi Lafreniere was the most dominant there. And, you know, it looks like Doc's not going to be at the World Juniors because he's a little bit busy playing for the Chicago Blackhawks. But I think Valeno, along with Lafreniere, are going to be two of the most important players for Team Canada. So I'm not too worried about the production so far in Grand Rapids because Valeno is making that jump from junior to the pro game, which, if you talk to people inside hockey, is one of the biggest leaps to make. It's actually probably harder than going from the AHL to the NHL if you talk to guys that have done it. Because you're now playing against men, you know, the schedule is tougher. There's all that travel, and I know junior players travel too, but you know, the AHL game, you're playing against guys that are bigger, stronger, uh, often smarter than a lot of the junior competition you faced because, frankly, when you're playing junior, a lot of those kids are not moving on to the next level. The thing with Valeno is not only does he need to succeed, and I would say thrive in the AHL before he gets a shot with Detroit, but he's also going to be battling a lot of other forwards in the coming years. So Valeno can play center, he can play wing. Either way, there's going to be competition. I mean, if you look at Detroit, Dylan Larkin's your obvious number one. That's not going to change. I mean, Larkin's going to be your guy for the next five, ten seasons even. Um, you know, they just got Robbie Fabry who can play center, who can also play wing. So you have to consider him as well in the long term. You know, Michael Rasmussen is coming up, although Michael Rasmussen to me is more of a shutdown center. Um, and then you have veteran Valtteri Filippolo who is under contract for this season and next season. So you want that experience from Filippolo, but once his contract runs out, if he doesn't return to Detroit, which I don't think he will given his age, you know, perhaps a spot kind of opens up there if you believe Valeno can be that true center for you. Now, if you have him on the wing, you also have Philip Zadina that you're going to have to deal with. You already have Brendan Perlini up there. You already have Yevgeny Svechnikov in Grand Rapids battling for positions, battling for points and time. So there's competition all over the place for a player like Valeno, and I think that's good. You don't want him to just be gifted a roster spot. For that reason, I think that this season will be a nice sort of training for him in the AHL. And then what I would like to see next season is Valeno really take over in Grand Rapids, maybe play in the AHL All-Star game. You know, if he gets a game or two call up with Detroit just to see how it is, that's great too. But I wouldn't expect anything until the season after that. 
And then I think it's realistic to say that Valeno could step into a top six role and be effective for you. So thanks for that question. Um, now going to move on to Daryl Tate. He has a question about Braden Tracy. Is Braden Tracy the next big star for the Anaheim Ducks? Now, I am a Braden Tracy believer. I loved how he did in his draft year with the Moose Jaw Warriors. I think that so far this season, he has been quite good as well. Uh, He's tracking very nicely. I think this question comes down to Braden Tracy or Trevor Zegers, who was also taken in the first round by the Ducks in 2019. And and obviously Zegers was the higher pick. Uh, He's at Boston University right now as a freshman, doing very well. You know, with Trevor Zegers, you get a player who can play center, can also play wing if you need him to go there. He did that a lot with the NTDP. Uh, with Braden Tracy, he's a winger. We know that. We know he can put the puck in the net. I think he uh, has elite goal-scoring potential. And it's a matter of just, you know, rounding out his game. And, you know, keep in mind, you know, this is a player that didn't have um, a lot of WHL experience heading into his draft year. Uh, you know, again, a, a player that really kind of shot up the rankings quickly And, I mean, we know he can produce, and he's a great offensive player. So I think he definitely has the potential to be the next star in Anaheim. But I would also say that Trevor Zegers has that capability and may even have more potential as that sort of number one prospect guy. So it's a fun problem to have if you're the Ducks because I'm a big fan of both players, but something to keep in mind. So next... We're going to go to a question from the Lace Em Up podcast. Uh, see them on Twitter all the time, so shout out to Lace Em Up podcast. Um, this is a question about Marco Rossi. Up for the 2020 draft, by the way. Lace Em Up podcast asks, Marco Rossi got 60-plus points as an OHL rookie for the Ottawa 67s last year. Got top-line minutes almost right away. 27 points in 13 games this year and has only gone pointless once. What do you like about his game? Where does he fall in the draft? Where would he be a good fit? So, nice little question here from Lace Em Up Podcast. Marco Rossi, a very interesting player, Austrian-born, um, or at least plays for Team Austria internationally. It'll be fun to see if uh, he does some damage at the Division One a World Juniors this year. Obviously, Austria down in the second tier there. What I like about Marco Rossi, on top of the obvious draw of the points that he produces, is that he has nice puck protection for a guy that doesn't have a big frame. He creates time and space. And perhaps most importantly, he he doesn't cheat out there. He plays the game the right way. And I go back to this summer... I went to a coaches conference where Andre Tourigny, the coach of the 67s, was one of the presenters. And he gave a uh, lecture about playing the game the right way. And a lot of it was about making sure that you finish your assignments in the defensive zone. uh, Or if the puck gets turned over in the offensive zone, make sure you're coming back right away. Um, You know. Get hard on the forecheck. Make sure that you're forcing the action when you don't have the puck. And when you do have the puck, hang on to it. You know, play that puck possession game. Obviously, Tourini had a lot of clips of his 67s team that went all the way to the OHL final last year and had a lot of good players on that squad. Um, a lot of the clips were about Marco Rossi. And 
it was interesting to see a younger player on a team that had a lot of good old ta- older talent, I should say. Not old, they were teenagers. But it was good to see how his own coach viewed him. And the fact that there were so many clips of Marco Rossi doing the right thing, I think bodes really well for him. So um, in terms of where he goes, right now I'm seeing him as kind of a 10 to 15 guy just because he doesn't have the ideal size. And don't, don't shoot the messenger, but it still matters in the draft. I wish it didn't. Ask Cole Caulfield. You know, if he's a top 10 talent, ask the Montreal Canadiens if they were happy to get Cole Caulfield outside of the top 10. And obviously the answer will be yes. So for Marco Rossi, I see him as a 10 to 15 guy. And, you know, talking about a right fit, I mean, who couldn't use a guy like Marco Rossi? But if I'm looking at the standings right now, um, you know, you look at Anaheim, they're still rebuilding. Dallas, I think Dallas could use, uh, you know, some more depth to their pipeline, even Buffalo for that matter. You're just building something up there, and if the Sabres could get a player like Marco Rossi, I don't think they're going to turn him down. So a lot of options there. Uh, So good question there on Marco Rossi. Going to go next to Sven Dragor. What a name. Fantastic hockey name. He might be playing for Austria this year too. I don't know. I'll have to check the roster. Or, Or the W. Or the WHL, that's true. Although it would be like, that would be the first name. It would be like Sven Dragor, you know, Wilson. Smith. Wilson Smith. Um, so Sven, he's got a good question here on two of my favorite players. If you had to choose between Alex Holtz and Lucas Raymond, who would you take? It's a Sophie's Choice of the Terror Twins, as I like to call them. Alex Holtz and Lucas Raymond, as I'm sure many of you watching will know, are two of the top prospects for the 2020 NHL Draft. Both play in Sweden. They often play on the same line internationally for the Swedes and look very nice doing so. I expect both of them to be at the World Juniors. And if Sweden has any chance of going further this year than they did last year, which I'm sure they would like to do, I believe the Terror Twins are going to be very important. Now, if I had to choose between two of my favorite sons, I would take Alex Holtz. And the reason I would take Alex Holtz is because he has that goal-scoring knack that everybody needs in the NHL. Who turns down goal-scoring? Nobody, I say. Lucas Raymond is probably the more well-rounded prospect at the moment. But with Alex Holtz, I just I like the upside. Maybe I'm wrong in five years and Lucas Raymond turns out to be this fantastic David Pasternak-esque two-way player. But I just can't help thinking like right now, if you're an NHL team and you're looking for the highest ceiling, Alex Holtz would be your guy. And so I'll go with that, but... Again, I love both of them. I think that they could easily go third and fourth in the draft. Maybe they go second and third. Who knows? Maybe they go fourth and fifth. It's a really nice draft class. And I think the World Juniors are going to be a very nice stage for both of them. And it'll be interesting to see how they stack up against some of the other 2020 prospects in that tournament. Lafreniere will be there for Canada. He's a returnee. Anton Lindell will be there for Finland. He's a returnee. So it's going to be a nice crop of players. Maybe we give, you know, we even get a couple of more guys in there. Quentin Byfield looked pretty good at the CHL Russia series. Just saying. Um, but that's my, that's my tough decision right there. But I'll stay Holtz for now. 
Next question from Vanessa Maselli or Michelli, not sure. Um, Matt Boldy hasn't scored in his past eight games since scoring in his first. Is that a reason for concern? So Matt Boldy is, of course, the Minnesota Wild first rounder from 2019, played on that excellent NTDP squad, now is a freshman at Boston College. And I will say, Vanessa, that I'm not worried yet. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The first being, Matthew Boldy has been playing center for Boston College as a freshman, which is interesting because he was playing wing at the NTDP because they had Jack Hughes, Trevor Zegers, Alex Turcott, Johnny Beecher. They had a lot of great centers. And But Boldy, I, I always saw him as a pure winger. The Eagles are trying him at center, perhaps because he's a big body and they think that he can fill that role. Um, but I'm not surprised that he would be struggling offensively if he's been put into that position at center. It's a lot tougher than playing the wing, especially if you're a new kid playing against competition that could be 23 years old, and maybe a lot of the guys are, are 21. The college game's just a bit older. So I'm not surprised about that. The other thing I'll mention is that, you know, there's still a lot of potential in Matthew Boldy. You know, this is a kid that, you know, shot up in his U17 year with the NTDP. He almost didn't even get a main camp tryout with the NTDP as a 16-year-old. He was right on the bubble, but he got the invite, blew everybody away, got the roster spot, and turned into one of their most effective players in the next two years. So I see there's still a lot of time for growth. And I was speaking to somebody the other day, an insider uh, with some really good knowledge about USA Hockey. And he was saying that, you know, for this year's World Juniors, Boldy was, he's far from a sure thing because it's a short tournament and, you know, he's a younger guy. But as an NHL prospect, this insider really thought that he was going to be a good NHLer because there's so many tools that Boldy has. So I think you need to look at Boldy as a long-term prospect, even though he was a high pick. I still think he's going to be very good for Minnesota. Um, but patience is going to be a virtue there. And uh, I think, you know, We'll give him some more time. The one goal, you know, they'll come. Next question from James Beauregard. Another NCAA question. Where does Keandre Miller stand compared to other defense prospects around the league? I am a huge Keandre Miller fan, so I would put him right near the top right now. I think, you know, if you're looking at a top tier of defensive prospects, I'm not actually sure, James, if you're talking about college or just drafted prospects in general. Um, but, you know, when I think of, if we say college, I'm thinking of, you know, Cam York is going to be up there. Scott Perunovic would be another one. Um, I would say Keandre Miller, because of his potential, is right in that top tier. I'm not sure if there's a lot of other college players I would take ahead of Keandre Miller, regardless of position right now. I'm a huge fan. He's super athletic. He's a two-way player. You know, he's already been in one World Juniors. He's going to be really important for Team USA in the Czech Republic this summer. He can get you points. He can skate really well. There's not much more you can ask of Keandre Miller. And for that reason, I think that 
you know, he's an important player for the University of Wisconsin. The Badgers are a super fun team. I'm not sure if they're necessarily contenders because, you know, they're a bit all over the place so far this season. And I, you know, I don't know if they can keep the puck out of their net enough to actually make a run at a championship. But man, they're just so fun to watch that, you know, uh, I, I personally, I just like to watch them and see the, the talent they have at their disposal. Um, I don't think it's any surprise that we're going to see a couple of Badgers at the World Juniors uh, for Team USA, and Keandre Miller will certainly be there. So in terms of college prospects, he's right at the top. In terms of overall defense prospects, I would put him near the top as well. Maybe Bowen Byram's ahead of him. Um, you know, you, you got to consider like a Ty Smith as well if we're talking about junior-aged guys. But um, I, I think Keandre Miller just has a world of potential, and I don't think it's going to be too much longer before we see him in the pro game, either with the New York Rangers or maybe he goes to AHL Hartford first. But I think he'd be a great fit either way because he's got the size and the skating to do it. So thanks for that question. Uh, Next one from Jerry. He says, hi, and I say hi back, Jerry. Thanks for writing in. Is it normal to see a rookie like Kirby Doc to be in and out of the lineup? If they can't play every night, should they go back to junior slash the AHL? So, I like this question um, because I think I can give you some good information here. Kirby Doc, third overall pick in the 2019 draft, goes straight to the NHL with the Chicago Blackhawks, although he started a bit late uh, due to injury. Now he's in the lineup. And, um, you know, when he first got healthy, Chicago kept him out of the lineup for a couple of games. And then he made a good run. And I know that he had one healthy scratch on a back-to-back And I think this is the way to go because when you have an 18-year-old player like Kirby Doc, it seems like he's good enough to be an everyday NHL right now. He's not getting massive minutes with the Hawks, but he's getting enough to justify keeping him up here. Uh, Having said that, you're still teaching because he is a young guy. And I think it's okay to have a game in the press box every once in a while because you can get a totally different sense of what's happening on the ice. Uh, You can see the speed. You can see how quickly plays are made. You can look at defensive structure when you're up there. You can look at how plays develop. You can sit there with not only the other healthy scratches, but, you know, coaches. Maybe you even have a development coach there that particular night. You certainly have different you know, members of the Chicago Brass who can sit there with Doc and say, all right, you know, watch what Jonathan Taves does on this play. Or, you know, if they're playing some, you know, if they're playing another team, you know, watch what Andre Kopitar just did on that play for LA. So I like the mixture of playing time, but also learning time. And you know what? It's an 82-game schedule. Uh, That's a hard jump to make for an 18-year-old who is coming from junior, even though there is a lot of travel in the WHL and they play, you know, what is close to an NHL schedule. But I'm okay because you don't want to burn him out. And if Kirby Doc is contributing, which he is, I think you have to let him continue to play with your team, sop up all those good lessons. Now, here's the big question. Do you send him to the World Juniors where he can be potentially Canada's number one center? playing with, let's say, Lafreniere and Valeno. 
That's up to the Hawks, and I'm very intrigued to see what they do there. Uh, you know, Doc has already played 12 games, so you're not really worried about that you know, entry-level burner nine-game deal. Um, but for now, I think the Hawks are doing him right. You know, he's playing enough minutes. He's playing with some good players. He's getting his points. He doesn't look overwhelmed. Far from it. I've, I've loved some of the plays that Kirby Doc has already made in the NHL. So I think it's okay. I think they're doing the right thing there. Next question from Joseph Lawson. This is a question about the St. Louis Blues. What do you think is Robert Thomas's ceiling? Now, this is a very interesting question right now because Robert Thomas, already a Stanley Cup winner, which is kind of funny, um, but because Vladimir Tarasenko was injured, because Robbie Fabry is traded, this Blues lineup is looking really different, you know, and they're, they're trying a lot of things. You know, Troy Brower and Jamie McGinn come in on tryout deals. Clem Costin gets called up from the farm. Robert Thomas's ceiling, I would say right now, would be a top six forward, maybe even a top six center. The fact that he earned his way onto the Blues so early um, might have made it seem like he's more of a middle six guy or even a bottom six guy. But I always look at these players and say, you know, the reason they can come in early is because they can play up and down your lineup. You know, some guys can't. Some guys need to have a top six role. And if they're not doing that, you're better just having them in the AHL. Uh, but with Robert Thomas, you could do whatever because he's a tremendous two-way player and you can put him in a fourth-line role and not feel like you're wasting your time or his. But his ceiling, I think, eventually is of a top-six guy because he's so smart, he's so driven, and he has skill. So eventually, I think St. Louis is going to find that role for him. But we're talking about a team that just won the Stanley Cup and still has a veteran-laden lineup with a lot of really good forwards, even though Tarasenko is on the shelf. So it's, it's almost a little misleading right now. Um, but I think the potential is there for him to be quite the top-six contributor eventually. So thanks for that question. Next one, we got Bobo Miller, who simply asks, who are the lead World Junior Tournament gold medal candidates? So, I'm going to take a sip of water from my Hockey News mug. Gotta say, we have the group of death this year. We have the group of death. That might even be the, the headline on our World Junior preview, which is coming relatively soon. I'm working on it. I've written a lot of stories. I'm getting excited. I'm going to the Czech Republic. It's going to be awesome. Gold medal candidates. To me, right now, there are three. I'm willing to entertain a fourth. But for me, it's Canada, Team USA, and Russia. None are bulletproof. But I'll quickly run down them. When I look at Canada, I see an excellent mobile defense squad with some high-end forwards but a huge question in net. I honestly don't even know which four goaltenders are going to be at camp because the World Junior Summer Showcase 
no one really stood out to me in particular. And you have a mixture of older guys and not young, young guys, but, you know, 2001 birthdays who still have a lot to prove. So I'm not really sure. Like, if you asked me right now who should be a net for Canada, I would look at, like, Nico Dawes from Guelph in the OHL, who went undrafted last year because he was a backup and didn't play much, but he was great at the CHL Russia Series. Or maybe Joel Hoffer, the St. Louis Blues prospect, who's out in Portland in the WHL, who has great size and is putting up big numbers. Some of the guys in camp in the summer, Olivier Rodriguez, uh, Alexis Gravel, Hunter Jones, all of them are kind of up and down um, and not necessarily having fantastic seasons uh, or they just haven't had great showings at various tournaments. There's still time. I think that's the important thing to remember is that camp really will matter for Canada's goalies, whereas with some of the other teams, it's not going to matter as much. So if Canada can get competent goaltending, they've got the firepower and the defense to win it all. No question. Next would be the Americans, who have a pretty nice defense core. Keandre Miller, Cam York, Matias Samuelson. A lot of nice forwards, especially if Oliver Wallstrom is there. I know the Islanders have sent him back to the AHL for more seasoning, so that bodes well for Team USA. Um, you know, you're talking about Trevor Zegers, Alex Turcott, Cole Caulfield. I mean, I think they're going to be able to score. I know the Americans are a little concerned. They don't have enough true centers, but I think they'll be able to sneak by. I'd love to see Johnny Beecher on the team. I think he's the kind of guy that with his motor could really be a difference maker. And he's off to a great start with the University of Michigan. Um, in net, the Americans are bulletproof. Spencer Knight, Florida Panthers first rounder. Playing very well in the NCAA in his first season. I have no questions there. Spencer Knight has a fantastic international resume already. He's playing very well for Boston College. Um, So for me, it's sort of like, okay, well, the Americans might have the best goaltender in the tournament. But that leads me to my third candidate, which is Russia. Now, for me, the big X factor for Russia is do they go with Yaroslav Askarov in net? He's only 17. He's up for the 2020 draft, but he's really awesome. He's big. He's competitive. He's really poised in the net, just so technically proficient. I call him the dream killer because he is so clutch and he can just end tournaments for teams that are otherwise favorites. He's done it a couple of times already. If the Russians don't go with Askarov in net, then... For me, that knocks their ceiling down a bit because I don't think there's anybody else that has that game-stealing capability, even though Amir Miftikov played very well against Team WHL in uh, the first game of the two uh, in that CHL Russia series so far. Um, I'm, I'm just a little worried about his size and his pedigree. But otherwise, I look at that Russian attack, and I'm looking at Grigory Denisenko, the Florida first-rounder, Vasily in the Vancouver first-rounder, um, you know, you got Alexander Romanov, the Montreal Canadiens pick on the back end, who already was the best defenseman in a World Junior Tournament. Um, I think Russia has the horses. And like Canada, it's just a question about goaltending, but I like Russians goal, Russia's goaltending better than I like Canada's goaltending. Um, the other one would be Sweden. And 
I think they're going to be pretty good, uh, especially if they get like Adam Boakvist and Rasmus Sandin uh, back. They could have five of their top six defensemen from last year back on their blue line for this tournament. Um, now, the thing was, defense was not their problem last year when they flamed out against Switzerland in the quarterfinal. Goal scoring was their problem, as was a flu that knocked out, I think, like a third of their team and maybe even one of their coaches. Um, but if you have the Terror Twins there, that obviously helps. I think Samuel Fajimo is going to want to rebound from what was a subpar World Juniors last year, so you got plenty of motivation there. Uh, I've always been an Oscar Bach fan. He's the Winnipeg pick. So I could see Sweden making some noise. Uh, Hugo Alnefelt would probably be my choice in net right now. I know there's a couple of options, but Alnefelt has been awesome for HV71 this year. He is uh, a Tampa Bay prospect. So Sweden could be in the mix too, uh, but they got to get over that hump. Uh, Now I'll go to a question from Joe Della. And is this going to be the last one? Yeah, we're saying the last one. It's actually Delia, Joe Delia. What's the ceiling for Jonathan Berggren, and when should we expect him to come stateside? Jonathan Berggren, a very intriguing Detroit Red Wings pick. Uh, Obviously, still playing back home in Sweden. I think that maybe another year in Sweden. This is a kid that I I think he still has some growing to do. There's some good potential in Berggren, um, but I think he's still at the point where, you know, he needs to get stronger. He's still filling out his game. I love a lot of the tools that he has. A lot of I love I love the offensive weapons, um, but I don't think he's there yet. I think this is still more of a long-term prospect, and and I'm okay with that. Um, I think Berggren. You know, he's showed a lot of potential, but it's going to be one of those players where he's going to have to battle for a position in North America. And if he can take on bigger and bigger roles back home in Sweden, then that will help his development. And then you bring him over here and you see what he can do in in the North American game. So, uh, yeah, I still got positive vibes on Jonathan Berggren, um, but I will wait. So thank you, everybody, for your questions on the Hockey News Prospect Podcast brought to you by our sponsors at Christian Hockey. Shout out to Steve and the producer. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and thanks, everybody, for your questions. <laughs>